Hey everybody, Chibi here. Before we get into today's conversation, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you for showing us that you care about poetry and getting to know more poets across this country. If you've liked what you've heard so far, please make sure to hit that subscribe button, share these episodes, tell a friend, rate and review us wherever you can. And if you want to know more about the things and the initiatives that we are putting in place, you can look us up on Facebook at The Blah Poetry Spot. That is B-L-A-H, The Blah Poetry Spot on Facebook or Write Art Out on Instagram. That's W-R-I-T-E-A-R-T-O-U-T, Write Art Out. Thank you so much, and without further ado, let's get into today's conversation. It's about that time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everyone in between, welcome, and thank you for being with us. That is Eddie Vega. And that is Chibi Orduña. And, and this is Words. And Shit. <laughs> An intimate performance and conversation with a different poet every week so that you can get to know the person behind the poetry. Eddie, 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 how are you? I, I'm doing great. You know, um, I, I have to tell you though, I'm kind of like in an uh, emotional funk right now because I started watching The West Wing again. Ooh. And um, yeah, there's like all these feelings of... of of when America was pretty good, you know, the best presidency ever, that was <laughs> Jet Bart Bartlett. And uh, it's just, kind of, oh man, the nostalgia, uh, mm-hmm. the good feelings, uh, mm-hmm. the great presidency. Ah, I think you have definitely dated yourself right now because uh, that was before my time and I uh, never watched the West Wing. So it's I- on Netflix, uh, you can watch it, it's, it's there. It's, it's all right. We're, we're going through <laughs> the uh, Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix right now. Oh. But I've told my husband, I was like, it, it has to be a daytime thing because I can't watch that at night right before going to bed. Like, that's just no. not happening. <laughs> but uh, what well, I can't watch. on my list, maybe. Uh huh. It's 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 ugh, it's ugly, but it's visceral, you know. Visceral. And you know who else is pretty visceral in his work? Today's guest. That's right. See what that's I did. That's what they call him, Edward Visceral Vidaure. As a matter of fact. <laughs> I think you just made that up. But please tell us about our guest today. Yeah. yeah. So he's been everywhere. He's been in every. He's been published in the New York Times, um, magazine, the Texas Observer, Gris, Poet Lore, Acento, Voices de la Luna. He's been in other journals and anthologies. Um, he's the judge for submissions of the Houston Poetry Festival. Um, the editor of the Rio Grande Valley International Poetry Festival anthology, Boundless, and also one of its, uh, con- you know, one of the the uh, organizers of that festival. Author of six collections of poetry, the 2018 and 2019 City of McAllen, Texas Poet Laureate, McAllen, of course, special. That's my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a publisher of Flower Song Press. Uh, he's originally from Boyle Heights, which is also my publisher. Yes, um, <laughs> he's from Boyle Heights, California, uh, LA area. But he's been in the Valley for a long, long time. So uh, the Valley claims him now, um, and and I claim him too. We're, we're, <laughs> South Texas, uh, you know, true there. Uh, some people say we look alike. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's, yeah, I think he looks like, 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 like uh, Vincent Cooper. Uh, personally, I don't know if he looks like me. Uh, but anyway, find out. Great guy. Yeah, let's put him on. Where are you at? Edward Vidaure. 
You gotta turn your camera. Míralo. Míralo. Míralo bien sexy. <laughs> you gotta also unmute. Yeah, There no, we no, go. Hey, I'm getting the hang of this. I, I didn't know I had to do all those things on my own. I thought it got it. done for all. Oh, excuse for us. You. <laughs> this is not full service. This no. does, doesn't exist yeah. anymore. You gotta pump yeah, your own gas these days. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's up, guys? Thank you for having me on. What's nah. up? Thank How's you going? for thank you for uh, being here with us. I see you still repping repping LA. Yeah, even all, though you yeah, down all in the day, every day. <laughs> every day. And you're from, you're 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 from you're in McAllen. Yeah, you're at your house. Uh, we see your library. I think impressive, right? And <laughs> then there's, the book behind you is not "Love in the Time of Cholera." No, it's that's your book, isn't it? That red one. Yeah, it's uh, "Love in the Time of Oligarchy." Ah, all right. All right. Well, let yeah. us jet out of here. Let's start like we always do with the poetry. So we're going to disappear and give the stage over to you, sir, to share some of your amazing work, if you please. All right, cool. So I'll start off with uh, some new poetry that I have um, coming soon from my new collection called Pandemia and Other Poems. And it's coming from Aslan Libre Press out of San Antonio. And <clears throat> the first poem I am going to read is Creation. Day one, everything crawled. God was heard, but not heard. The trees were rooted first. They intertwined inside mother. Then came the big yawn. Sprouting ocean, sprouting sound, everything crawled on the first day. Day two, God was speaking to the earth, which was now formed, and he was playing with swatches, deciding on a color for the sky. For the early part of the morning, the atmosphere was pink, then yellow. Then he tried one other color, but decided on what we see now, For some, it's still black. That other color, it's a mystery. And in the distance, mountains went up and a figure could be seen walking. Day three, a whispering wind, a wandering spirit, birds, clay, duendes, the figure gets closer. Day four, the rivers dried up. So we called on darkness. It got cold, so we called on light. A confetti of white rain fell over the mountains. Even the figure stopped to see. Day five, love was created. So the things that crawled grew limbs and didn't move for 100 days. The trees grew fruit, the mountains grew flowers in purples and reds. The sound of water was heard and the breeze was perfect. The crawlers now upright smiled and felt things inside, but still had no eyes. The figure disappeared too. Day six, there was a vibration in the air to describe it, a bass womp. The skin on the upright thing that no longer crawled rattled. From its head emerged eyes, and the vibration stopped, 
yellow flowers bloomed all around its feet. Over the hills, roars and grunts, a stampede chasing a sunset. The figure fell into a deep sleep. The animals were making, marking their territory. Day seven, God walks the land. The animals graze on the yellow flowers. The animals graze on the yellow flowers and the birds glide above. The figure opens its eyes. God says, you will be a man, reproducer and ally. I will return in 400 years and introduce you to a perfect mate. Man works the land, eats and drinks and grows strong. Then come the giants, non-human, half beast, half something strange. Day eight, the figure appears anew. Day nine, the man is tired. God appeared as promised. It's 400 years since they spoke. The earth has formed, the mountains took shape, the seasons learned each other, the rivers crossed each other, and the seas took their piece of the world. The giants lived and died, and some disappeared into the woods and sky. On day nine of God, he finished creating the world with the introduction of a woman. On day 11, a child was born, a boy, who is yet to be identified. Los pájaros saben. Los pájaros saben. They perch on wires, looking down at me with sorrow. Los pájaros saben. I whistle a tune. The kiskadi turns away. Los pájaros saben. The moon is sliced in half beyond the western skies. Los pájaros saben, the mockingbirds orchestrate the shrill of a pandemic. Los pájaros saben, the woodpecker's morse code is the answer. Los pájaros saben, the nervousness in the way my wrists toss bird seed. Los pájaros saben, they know of the dying clergyman in Italy and locusts in Oman. Los pájaros saben why the river feels so familiar to drowning children. Los pájaros saben that a poet stands below them in search of words. This one is titled, God Is. One, God is an open wound, a kung fu movie and a celestial sicario. God made our president with leftover road cotton and grackle droppings. His sandals are of leftover human skin from the factory of suicide rock stars. Today, he wears the kneecaps of Janice to match his UFO belt. God is unfazed at 3 p.m. He whispers to me from a six feet distance. God lays naked on steel surfaces with his long hair covering the shadow of men. God has a sticker on his chest that reads, I voted. He's nonchalant. He has a twin. She does all the good work. Two, God is your God's God, yoga and breathing. She is the breath of life. 
latex gloves and exhaling the sun over mountains. She is the blamed, the curve, the torn Achilles heel. God is a beat poet, the coming strain, the big question, the control, the last minute mind changer, the finger on the gun, the safety switch. God is the ultimate filter, the event planner, the street cleaner, the thing in the sky that was there and then was not, the ventilator, the death toll. She knows the bodies are coming. Three, God is language, a lisp and stutter. God has Down syndrome, the autistic genius, the only child from the other side of the tracks. Have you ever thought of God as old? The wrinkled hobo and toothless smoker, the girl next door, the square jawed bad hombre, creator of a new earth between ellipses, growing peonies on hyphens. God is soil and water, the trans angel, the monk making booze, the anorexic gargoyle breaking off a ledge, the movement in the painting. God's number is eight digits behind iron bars, the noisemaker, the vuvuzuela in purgatory, guilty. God is doing time. Four, God is a found poem in exile, an unbelievable truth, an asteroid belt crash, mammoth, that sound, that silence. Five, God is tired of rising on Easter. God is trying to figure out the diameter of this pandemic writing ghostly hymns for the dead. Did you know God was the celestial laureate? Skywritings, the sounds you hear in the morning of birds and wind chimes, speeding cars and barking dogs. Did you think the sound was just that? Commotion? God writes those sounds into existence every day. I know when God is in a Motown mood, a hippie rock or just a lounging jazz mood. And when it's too quiet, God, let the whiskey get the better of him. Six, God likes to drink with me. I listen. When we were children, it was fun naming clouds and deciphering shapes until she showed up pointed at the sky at a series of clouds wrestling and said, that looks like me fighting off my mother's boyfriend. Let's wait, maybe blood will spring from that cloud. That one there she pointed to, the one that looks like a pair of scissors, or is it legs with tears already making a pull on her neckline? I never looked up at clouds again during my childhood my town, where blood seeped not only from our scraped knees and noses after a brawl, but from heaven's mouth. Generation Z. They both stare at their phones, kid tugs at dad's shirt, then mother's dress, neither budge. Kid sits on floor, picks up a snake, eats the snake, 
then throws up. Kid stands up, begs for attention, sits back down, picks up a gun, puts gun in mouth, pulls the trigger. Parents stare at each other, get on their phone, download an app to give them instructions on how to cry. Today, I salute the homeless. For his slow walk in this Texas inferno, in deep thought, because anguish cripples our speech, at times clenches all openings, I salute his hands, his black nails and ashy fists, his cracked wrists that look as if they'll fall off if given a handshake. I salute her face, the history in her eyes, the forgotten kisses on her lips, the hills of his nose, the cheeks a mother once adored, the experience of a country's burden. I salute his legs, her untracked miles, his chiseled calves, her broken knees of prayer. I salute her heart, his home, her love, his safeguarding, her hope, his wealth, her family, his thankfulness, her beat, all pumping in song. I salute the homeless with a sign, with a smile, with a cup, with a moment, with a pause, with my time, with a truth, with an exchange, with an understanding that maybe one day I'll fall to my knees and ask him to please forgive me for my sins and hope she can save me. I don't tell people about the spider web in my backyard. I let them walk into it. I stopped warning people of dangers a long time ago because it made my heart bend at weird angles and changed my breathing patterns. And for about two weeks couldn't hit a curveball in Little League. And I never learned to properly smoke a cigarette and girls always hurt me. And no one believes me when I say it hurts anyway. And when I got robbed at knife point on the bus, the thief told me it never happened as he jumped off. And I believed him and told my mother, I don't know where I left my things. And I always see dirt marks on my car after my car is washed. And I still tip the guy. And I don't believe the oil ever gets changed in my car, but gets recycled with the last guy's oil. And I want to believe in the language of leaves in pain. I think I can relate. And I want people to walk into their own mistakes and think. I want my daughter to think to find love and get ready for what hurts. And I want to be ready with fists balled up and a mouthful of alphabet words not found in children's books. Because even if I tell them there's a spider web in the dark out back in my yard as they offer to throw out the trash, 
the spider's mastery at spinning her web will always rule the night over the supermoon's brightest glow. I'll read one more and then um, you guys can jump back on. And I'll read this one. It's a, it's one called Plastic Poetry. And it's just random things that I, that I was trying out and I really enjoyed writing. There's poetry that holds beauty like a plastic rose that can last forever. But when a poem is fragrant and vulnerable like a budding flower that will hold life for just a while, it can last an eternity. What's the difference? A poem you store in your heart, sometimes memorized, nostalgic, a poetry of deep song. The plastic poem will get lost, still living, but rarely remembered. Horsehair fabric. She, she bought it downtown. It will give her gown a flare. It will expose more leg, but never her scarred knees. Whistleblower. I've decided to tell my pain and troubles to the water and wind and moon and last breath of leaves, for it is they who I trust with my poetry and only them. Perched, a mockingbird on a branch listens to then go off and spread my melancholy across the land. I trust her song more than I trust anyone. Cruising, where do you go when you have a headache? I drive around smoking cigarettes. Reading burrows. I made a plastic noose with my left hand. My right hand is missing your breasts. I walked in on an idea and left with a patent for dying. Tell your lips to stop kissing me. I can only handle less than 50 carbs in a day and your tongue is the bread of life. I fed the cat this morning, but she is still meowing at me. I think she ate too fast. The birds outside have fresh water, at least until the grackles come and splash around in the bird bath. The finch hates them and I don't blame her. I think you look pretty when you smile. It's been how long? If we choose Africa as a destination for travel, would you mind if I tell the safari folk about my dream? I walked up to a pack of lions and read them a poem about my childhood. They slowly walked up to me and sat around me. They laughed and let me rub their bellies before I ate them all. I made a gun out of a paper clip and bullets out of bubble gum. Shots fired. I lost count on how many books I haven't read. The panaderia down the street closes on Sundays now. I stand outside of their doors, closed doors yelling blasphemy. The stretch. Herbie Mann and Moises Simmons sell peanuts at Dodger Stadium. Candido and Irving smile cheek to cheek. And Herbie says, que están todos locos. Cole Porter has a love for sale at on Craigslist. Willie Bobo cooks huevitos in Spanish Greece. Lonnie Smith is bored of the ball game with no runs in the eighth inning. He is seen sitting on a plastic chair 
slouching, rain delay. The home is dark now. The only sound is the keyboard. The plastic fruit in a bowl rots. Call mom and ask her if she's wearing her plastic chanclas. Very, very nice. Well, Edward, so only 50 carbs a day and the lips are the bread of life. I told you visceral. Did I not say visceral? That was, that was visceral. That was, yeah. That was I got I gotta say, uh, Edward, I, I, we're gonna get this, Edward and Eddie. Okay, I gotta say, Edward, because uh, I was reading through um, Pandemia. Thank you uh, for sending it over, by the way. Uh, and that word just kept coming to mind. It's there's this very visceralness to it. You know, it's gritty. It's it's raw. You know, like uh, I'm assuming these poems came in these past few months. Or tell us a little bit about that book that's that's coming out. Yeah, um, you know, um, the the other poems, there's Pandemia and other poems. The other poems were were part of 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 several, um, you know, years, you know, even even, you know, this year. But but it's been, you know, from several manuscripts that because I have a lot of different things going on, you know, um, you know, I've got. I'll just title different manuscripts and see where they fit. And then when I put a manuscript together, then I, I try to grab and then just put something together. But Pandemia was written starting in, in I believe, uh, late um, 2019, all the way through, um, you know, I want to say late June. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, um, and, and I'm still writing pandemic poems, you know, but, but, but the others were also part of, you know, stuff that I wrote at the beginning of the year and some were that I was, you know, working on before that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they come together real, really beautifully. I'm not, I'm not done. I'm on like part four right now, uh, just because they are poems that you kind of have to sit with. You know, uh, it's not a it's not an easy or quick read. Uh, somebody asked on the Facebook comments when it's going to be published. So for those listening or watching this later, uh, it'll come out in August 2020 through Aslan Libre Press. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I want to talk about Aslan Libre in a little bit. But first, uh, before that, um, can you tell us? Because I, I know I've heard some of this story. Uh, can you tell us about your education on the bus oh okay I, I was talking to my daughter about that today um oh i was i was i gave her um somebody sent me today i got it in the mail and they sent me a, a cover page and then a, a, a synopsis of 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 a manuscript they want to send me and so that one page um, talks about something that they want to pitch for for a manuscript or they something they have as, as a manuscript and so I had her read it to me and and I noticed that she got stuck on several words and 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 um, I said just read it out even if you even if you mispronounce it and so I, I said you know just butcher the word it doesn't matter butcher the word just get through it and keep 
and keep going. But remember that word that you had a trouble with and then go back to it later. And I'll tell you, and I told her, I, I didn't I didn't really know how to read until after high school, until um, I would draw, I would take the bus to work because um, I never really paid attention in school. Um, my education goes all the way up to high school, graduation, and that's it. Um, I, I never went to college. And so um, I would notice, I would catch the bus to go to work. And I was a bus boy. I was a host at a restaurant. I've always been in the restaurant business. But, you know, after high school, that's what I would do. I was, I was you know, a host. I was a, a, a waiter. And, and I went from East L.A. to Beverly Hills. And, and, and so it was a long, it was a long bus ride. And so for a long time, um, you know, it was just me just, just on the bus board, looking out the window, you know, and just watching the city wake every morning. And, um, I noticed that people on the bus were reading, whether it was the newspaper or a paperback. Um, and, and it just, you know, after a while, I was like, well, there must be something to it, you know? Um, and, and there was this one book that was given to me by an English teacher in high school that that really, you know, I was really into. Um, but, you know, I read it and, and it was great for me, but it, it, it's, it stopped there. I never really looked into it any more than that. And so I, I dug up the book and I brought it with me and I, I started to read it again. And it took me about two, three reads before I really understood it. Um, I would have to go back. I would, my mind would just go somewhere else in the middle of a read. And I would, you know, notice that I'm on page 30 and I'm like, what the hell were the first 30 pages about? Right. <laughs> so I'd have to go back and then and, and, and reread and reread until I started getting the hang of the story. And so started looking for books that I could relate to. Where, where, where the story um, was something that, you know, um, what, yeah, was relatable or had characters that were interesting to me. Um, so I, I didn't relate to, um, you know, Shakespeare. I didn't relate to a lot of the, the things that they were teaching in high school, you know, like, you know, Steinbeck and, and all the other guys. But, but I, I, they were also not introducing books uh, by people of color. So I, I didn't, you know, there was no interest in reading. So uh, that one book that they gave me was Manchild in the Promised Land by Claude Brown. And, you know, it, it was about a black kid, you know, who grew up on the streets and, and, and just, you know, stole drugs and, and, you know, ended up going to law school. I mean, it was, a, it was a great story from beginning to end. But, you know, the, the gritty story at the beginning was something that I could relate to. You know, it, it was, you know, the, the street life and I was like boy it's the ghetto life you know and it was I was living in the projects so I could understand that and then the violence and the drugs and so I, I really you know, I mean it's weird to say but I enjoyed reading it you know it's and it was you know something that I could relate to yeah. so I started you know going into bookstores and I would walk in and, and of course they would look at me like what are you doing in here you know like what do you want and so I didn't know what section to go to but I was like well I'm you know do you have any more books like this? You know, um, so, oh, yeah, yeah, there's another book here. Or, or I would say, do you have this book, but new, like a new version? I remember buying it again, but brand new, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I went there and then I noticed that in that section, there was Richard Wright. 
And so I bought, uh, I believe, Black Boy and then Native Son. And so I started gobbling up um, literature by Black authors. So I was, you know, getting really uh, into the Black experience when it came to, to, to reading. And so it wasn't until later that I fell into Luis Rodriguez's Always Running. And then I fell into Neruda and then Lorca and then, and then uh, Octavio Paz. And, and, and I still had a hard time reading a lot of those books, especially poetry, you know, because I, I didn't understand it, you know, but I still wanted to buy them. So I was collecting these books and just, I, I just enjoyed having the, having them and knowing they were mine. And, 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 and I always thought I will get to them you know, and I will understand them one day. And so I, I, I just enjoyed them, mm. enjoyed having them. And so I always felt there was some magic or uh, about just having them and, and that they would somehow, you know, add some value to me. And, and, and I would learn somehow just by just keeping them close. <laughs> and so slowly, you know, I, I would read and stuff and 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 learn from it and, and it took me forever to learn to read a book but but um you know going back to my daughter today you know it's like i didn't have google back then you know to understand what the word uh, meant or even how to pronounce it i go even now as a as a poet i write and i'll look up a word and i'll use it in a poem but i i don't know how to pronounce it and and there's an ongoing thing between daniel garcia Ordaz and myself is that I'll, I'll add it to a poem. And then when I'm reading it, I mispronounce it. You know, <laughs> it's the funniest thing. And I remember with lament, I used to say lament, you know, <laughs> with that word. And I remember I was going to read a poem with that word once. And, and I'm driving to the, to the open mic and I have it on my Google and I'm playing it over and over again on the, you know, and it's like the little computer voice, lament, lament, <laughs> lament. And I'm like, lament. Lament, you know, and I made a note on the poem where it's like L U H M E A N T, lament, you know, and, and they were just, you know, uh, you know, I'm in my 40s and I'm doing this, you know, but you know, sin vergüenza, you know, I'm, I'm doing it with no shame and 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 just like it, it's okay, you know, yeah. it's okay to do this. I'm gonna do it. I don't I don't give a crap. I'm gonna do it, you know, and so I'm 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 showing. Bella this and I'm telling her you know just get through it read it you know let's we'll, we'll figure it out you know mm -hmm. we'll figure it out and so that's that's how that's how I read you know and 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 so that's how I I taught myself on the bus yeah to to read I, I love that because I was I was really curious, you know, I had written this down. It's like, what's your origin story? How did you get into poetry? And there it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know and, and the thing is that I, I love songwriters. Mm. So my favorite for the, you know, the fact that they write their music like Smokey Robinson. I, I love him because not only because, he knows I love the way he sings, but because he writes the music. Mm. And, you know, Jose Alfredo Jimenez, he writes the music that others have become famous for and sing, but he writes the music. And so I love songwriters, you know, because they, they write it, you know, they, they come up with it. They, they, they put it on paper and other people make it famous. And sometimes they're able to make it, you know, their yeah. own and put music to it. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, um, I've, 
you know, I remember meeting my, the way I met my wife was through AOL, you know, um, <laughs> online. And I used to write her poems, but I used to also send her lyrics to music, you know, and, and I look at old, old, she used to print them out because she's got a hat box with old letters. And, and I, she printed out some old AOL things that messages that we used to send each other. And I'm reading it and I'm like, this is lyrics from the fucking cure you know <laughs> like, the lyrics from robert smith you know Such and romantic <laughs> you know and it's like but i it was you know just me you know just showing that respect for the written word mm-hmm. way before i even knew that i was ever going to become a poet mm-hmm. you know because i didn't become a poet until like texas and even years after I was here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Now, you also mention uh, in your work a lot uh, the beat poets and the jazz poets. Uh, and, you know, should be told for me, like the beat poets were like my first grabbing on to poetry where I was like, I think I like this. You know, like what what do they how have they influenced your work and what do they mean to you? I, You know, and I'll be honest with you. Um, I never really knew about the beat poets until people started bring us uh, introduced them to me. And because they told me that, that I, um, they would ask me, do you read the beats? Mm-hmm. Because you, you, you write like a beat poet. You do, you do. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know. And I wasn't, I didn't understand them. And my favorite beat poet is Bob Kaufman. And, um, you know, I won't say I'm crazy about the beats. You know, I love Ginsburg. Yes, I do. But, you know, but I don't study them. I write the way I write. But, yeah. you know, if they say that that I write like a beat poet, you know, you know, thank you. But I'm not <laughs> trying to I'm not trying to be somebody. I'm not trying to be like them. And, but I do appreciate it because of what they've done for literature. Yeah. But I always try to tell people, you know, um, it, it's our time. Yeah. You know, it's our time. And, and we need to start, you know, putting our, our we need to start putting a you know, a mark on literature mm-hmm. in, in in our own way to where people will stop, you know, saying you're like those guys instead mm-hmm. of, hey, you're, you're, you're the new generation, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's like... Um... You want people to, to, to look at the contemporary poets and say, hey, man, these guys are doing something, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Do you think that there's like a coded language there when they say that you sound like a beat poet? Not by everyone. I'm sure there are some people who are like genuinely like the beat poets and they're like, oh, I like your stuff. It's like a beat poet. But from others out there, do you think that maybe it's their way of saying you're accessible and they use that kind of word or you're writing a kind of poetry that isn't elevated? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think that my poetry is accessible. I think it's very, um, you know, I, I don't think I try too hard to to say what everybody, I, I think I write the way people speak generally. Well, I you do know? have to say, um, you have a lot of really psychedelic imagery in your poetry. Like it's it's out there the way you like just in, for example, the, the poem that you're reading about the, the clouds, right? Um, there's a lot of imagery in there that is really like, I think that's what people might be latching onto with the beat poets, where it's it's very psychedelic, it's very descriptive, and not like 
literal, you know? Where does that kind of come from? Because I, I love it. <laughs> you know, I don't do drugs, but <laughs> imagine if I did. <laughs> you heard it here. He doesn't do drugs. <laughs> um. I think it's I think it's the influence of, of being a, a, a I read a lot, you know, and, and I think it, it it's something that when you read a lot it sticks, and that eventually it eventually um, influences you in a, in a in a way that that sometimes you don't even know when you're when you're writing, because I'll I'll be honest sometimes when I read my old work, if it's on like a word document or something, I'll read it and and I sometimes wonder if it's something that. I, I copy paste it as a reference of a poem that I liked somewhere or if it's mine, <laughs> you know, like, you know how yeah. sometimes, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try to put together an anthology of poetry of poets that I like for reference. And if I don't label it right, sometimes, you know, and it's kind of it kind of gives me the creeps because I have to really really look into it and make sure it's mine. Not saying <laughs> oh my god it's great, you know, but yeah. Imagine me putting it in a book and then I find out it belongs to <laughs> someone else. You know what I mean? No, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I think we all have lines that like have been like lost lines or poems that have been lost, and you go back and you're like, wow, damn, I wrote that. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll take it. Did I? Or you? But sometimes, yeah. I write down a sound lyric, a song lyric that I like. Mm. I like a, a certain ver or a certain phrase, and then I. But I won't put quotes on it by accident. And I'm like, oh man, wait, is there not quotes on this on purpose? Like, yeah. was this mine right. or was this the gin blossoms? You know, yeah. what, you know which one is it? Why was I thinking gin blossoms? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> hey. um you are being published now through Aslan Libre. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's going to be like two questions there. But the first question is, uh, and, and, you know, we're using, uh, for those of you who are tuning in at home, we use July uh, as a month where we're going to talk about other, you know, poetry outlets like publishing, right? And spoken word. And the, the business of poetry. Right. Mm -hmm. The business of poetry. That's the phrase that I was looking for. Um, you're not publishing through your own public, through Flower Song, which is your group you're publishing through another group aslan libre um why why is that uh well i mean it, it because it would fall under self-publishing if i published through flower song press mm -hmm. you know and um i just um i've thought of self-publishing but i just think um that that um i wanted to give a i wanted a you know, kind of separate myself, my poetry from the press. Um, I ha have also thought of publishing through the press. I have been published through Flower Song before I had, to, before I took it over. Uh, when it was with David Bowles, he published Chicano Blood Transfusion. Mm -hmm. And then I republished my first book. Uh, I took my body on a road trip through Flower Song. And so um, I just kind of want to keep it separate, you know, but I also see what's going on with Flower Song, and, and I'm super excited. And, and I think it's just a bomb-ass press, and I love what, what's going on with it. That um, I feel like I, I also want to be a part of it. I want to jump in the pool with everybody, but I, I think I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm still there. You know, yeah. I'm still there in, in, in a different capacity. But 
you know, I also want to be part of that group that when when it comes time to um, being up for maybe a, a, a book award or something like that, that when you self-publish, you kind of take yourself out of that running, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, tell now, us about... Tell us about well, like what is going on with with Flower Song Press right now because you mentioned you're excited about what's happening. What's happening for those that don't know? Well, um, man, I, I don't even know where to start. There, there's a lot of cool things uh, going on. Um, we've got a, you know, well, there's a lot of things that that just, just all year. You know, we have uh, we ended the year with Matt Cedillo's mowing leaves of grass. And he's uh, he's he's just a hustler, man. He he just finished doing like uh, two hundred plus, I think, interviews during this whole pandemic thing. Um, and he's already like sold like close to a thousand books, if not more, just by you know pushing them out there. And then we got Gris Munoz out of El Paso, who has her book Guatilique Girl that just came out. Um, we have uh, Juan Felipe Herrera, who's working on um, the first book that he ever wrote, a collection of poetry um, in 1973. He's getting some new illustrations for it and a new cover, and we're putting the poems back into a, this, the collection, maybe some new uh, poems to go with it also. That'll be coming out. Wait, but uh, who's Juan Felipe Herrera for those, of who, those who aren't paying attention to the poetry world? <laughs> Juan Felipe Herrera was the uh, United States uh, Poet Laureate, the first Latino uh, Poet Laureate of right in the United States. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. So it sounds like no rest for the wicked for you. Like it's just a lot of spinning plates right now. And then there's also from Alurista. Alurista, we I just finished uh, finished the final edits to his uh, collection Sass. It's a Chicano hybrid haiku collection. Um, there's uh, also, um, there's, you know, we've got some short stories and novels coming up. We've got a, the, you know, Juventud Press, which is a sister um, press of Flower Song um, that's coming out with um, a, an anthology. And it's also coming out with the first children's book by Regina Moya and co-authored with uh, Carmen Tafoya, uh, The Last Butterfly next year. Hopefully we'll have it out before um, AWP, before um, for, uh, Poetry Month in April. So there's a lot of things going on. I say Carmen Tafoya was the Texas Poet Laureate. Texas Poet Laureate. It's an Antonio Poet Laureate. Yeah. Um, so... That's awesome. Now we do have a question here from from our current viewers, uh, and I think this is we can we can flip this in both ways. They're asking, "How did you first go about getting published?" And then I'd also ask, like, for anybody that's watching, like, how can they go about getting published? What would you recommend? Uh, how I got published first um, was through Slew Press um, out of College Station, which is. Uh, the oldest uh, small press in Texas. And that was being run by Chuck Taylor. And I believe uh, now it's run by uh, Chris Carmona, Christopher Carmona. And uh, the way that happened was, um, I believe uh, Chuck Taylor was looking to publish voices from the Rio Grande here in the Valley. And um, 
you know, I, I guess he was doing what I kind of do now by scouting and, 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 you know, looking out for, you know, you know, brand new voices and, and, you know, not only brand new, but also just an established uh, writers too, but um, just being on the lookout, you know, um, and, you know, turning, turning every leaf and stuff uh, and every rock to, to, to look for, for people. But I was, I had a, a, a reading series down here in the Valley called Pasta Poetry and Vino. And um, it went on for six years and I had him down as a feature and he heard me read and I believe he got feedback from Chris also. And I had uh, done a few um, readings with Christopher along, you know, the way here in the Valley too. And so, um, you know, I they checked out my poetry, asked for my, for a collection of my writings and I send them what I had. I knew nothing about, you know, putting a manuscript together at all. I just, you know, kind of just send them papers, you know, mm. and um, we went back and forth, you know, through snail mail for a while, you know, Chuck's old school. So he was, you know, sending it back and forth with little red marks here and there. And, you know, <laughs> and, and, and I learned a lot from his style, you know, <clears throat> um, and, and so, it's funny because it brought back those memories when I was working with Alurista because Alurista doesn't work uh, through social media or through even uh, computers. We do snail mail, you know, it's sending them packets in the mail from here to to uh, California and from California, his sister takes him to him into Tijuana, Mexico. And, and then, you know, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, but we still we do have a way to communicate over the phone. So we do talk, but it, but everything is done through the mail. So we're sending each other uh, packets of paper and stuff. So are you transposing, yeah. are, you, are you like typing his stuff into the computer yourself? I, yeah, I, I put it all in into yeah, I put it all into the computer and then I sent it to him already edited and uh you know just for him to look at and check it out and, and then he sent it back and you know um with notes and then I sent it back with you know the corrections and yeah so wow. so that's how that's how I started with a slew press and then um that's how I got my first uh um publishing uh so, with um now with uh, aslan libre the word on the street on the poetry streets out there was that aslan libre wasn't going to do as much poetry anymore um but then then you got on so what's your secret i've been i've been trying to get on aslan for years man <laughs> yeah persistence you know. persistence pays i persistence. think yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 been it's 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 not a like hey you know um, here's a manuscript can you take no it's it's been for a long time I've been a I've been a fan of the press for for many years um, um, you know I remember picking up Vincent's book I remember picking up Barbara Jane Reyes's book uh, um, you know just everything you know and then meeting them at different events you know at Gemini Inc and and a book event here in uh, in San Benito and and just you know just really really um being at it you know and yeah. um, the publisher Mali Ortiz is too right Ranch and Chisme is the Rustan Libre isn't it no no it's not oh I no. messed up uh, it's uh, uh, Cannibal, uh Cabaret yeah, the, the newer the new collection is okay yeah. 
So let me let let's pick your brain a little bit because I think you're the first publisher that we've had on here. We've had editors in chiefs before, thinking Fadelina. But so for any poet that's out there that's like wanting to get published, you know, like what 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 really happens behind the scene? Like after a poet like submits to a press, tell tell us what that process is like and what advice can you give to like poets wanting to be published? Okay. Um, and I gotta drop this this uh, this info too. I will be putting on a workshop on that precisely this Saturday. Um, they could sign up on GeminiInc.org. Um, there's, uh, you know, I'll be talking about the process from beginning to end. Um, but but I could talk about it now too. Um, Briefly, that way they still attend your workshop, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it'll be fun. I'll probably be animated and stuff like that. I don't know. <laughs> You know, I'll probably wear a different hat <laughs> or no hat or no hat. and then blame it on, on Vincent if it doesn't go well. There you go. Um, well, what's the question? Uh, the process after somebody submits, what happens and what advice can you give to somebody wanting to get published that's submitting their work out to small presses? After they submit it, well, um, you know, I, I I read it, you know. I I, I read it. I, I I thank them for sending it first of all, um, and and then um you know most most people will you know write back and say you know okay thank you I'll be waiting and some people don't write back at all, um, <laughs> and and just just a heads up you know, I like replies because I I reply <laughs> quickly. You know, I, I like to, when, when people write to me and I write back, I like replies. You know, it's just, you know, I think it's just courtesy, right? Uh -huh. um, if somebody writes to you, you write back to them. But um, and sometimes I forget. I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of manuscripts. And so I, I don't get back to all of them all the time and right away. But I do try, I do try to have a good turnaround on them. And so... Um, when I do feel a little overwhelmed, I do have a, a group of, of, of readers that I really trust that I send out manuscripts to. And I tell them, hey, I've got some, you know, do you have time to read some manuscripts or a manuscript? And, and they'll tell me yes or no. And then they'll look at it and then they'll tell me, you know, I like it. You know, um, it, it might need a little tightening here and there, but overall it, it's, it, it's not, you know, can work out or I don't know let's talk about it you know <laughs> and we have conversations about it um but other than that um, I just say before you send it out to to uh to to me or any publisher have people look at it mm. you know have somebody you trust look at it uh have somebody that that you feel will give you honest feedback and not somebody that's a big fan of your work. Always, never, never, never trust your biggest fan with your work because, you know, you're gonna fall flat on your face. Mm. You know, um, you know, I, I, I don't send work to people that always tell me it's great. You know, because it's not always great. You know, I, I write shitty poetry all the time, <laughs> a lot. You know, and so. Um, but but 
I, I need the feedback. Sometimes I want honest feedback, like, oh, well, you know, this and that. And, and I'm one of those that appreciates it. And I prepared myself. And I think that it was written in the stars for me to be able to take it, um, you know, early on in, in the work that I do as, as, as a restaurant manager, you know, um, back in the day, what I used to do when we had to do uh, reviews with, with staff members, I used to give them uh, um, like a, a form and tell them, I want you to evaluate me as your boss. Mm. And I want you to be honest with me. Instead of me evaluating them, I would tell them to evaluate me. But I would pick the staff member that I thought I had the most trouble with. Mm. Because, you know, I wanted their honest feedback and I knew it was going to hurt, you know, but it helped me grow. So, you know, that's what you need to do when it comes to your writing. Mm -hmm. Pick somebody that you maybe don't even know. Even if you even if you have to pay somebody, you know, say, hey, man, I want you to be totally honest. You know, no, hold, don't hold back on, on your criticism. I'm going to give you, you know, if your work means that much to you, pay, pay somebody, pay somebody that will give you that feedback mm -hmm. because it's going to only help you grow as a writer. And, and give them the money, you know, and, you know, nice. it, it, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just the honest truth. You know, um, um, we sometimes don't do that. And then we end up hating our, our product, you know, we sense we end up hating it because we, we didn't, we, we didn't give our writing a chance. We just thought it was all good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, think, you work a lot. I mean, I see you on Twitter a lot. Uh, with the Latinx book community, um, the Latinx. I'm, 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 I think I'm more honest on Twitter than I am on Facebook. And what, what do you think that that, that community, that literary community, um, is more lively than other literary communities or a little crazier or, um, on like, Twitter? What's going on? I don't know, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. Um, I see what happens, and 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 I see the, I see the, the drama. I see the, the the. How can I say it? The little clicks. I see the pettiness, huh? The pettiness, pettiness. Cheese me. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, I, I sometimes think back and I look at the shit that I post and I'm like, man, you know, I, I they must talk shit about me, you know, like, <laughs> you, you know, like I say things sometimes that like, like, and I look at the people that, 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 that don't and like the people that I look up to and I'm like, man, they, they never say nothing like that. Oh, they would never dare to say nothing like that. And maybe they're there because they don't say things like that. And then I'm like, well, that's what separates me from them, you know, <laughs> you know, and that's okay. You know, and like, like there needs to be people like me like that, you know, every once in a while, you know, you know, it, it, that, 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 that say shit like that, you know, maybe that's just me, you know, I'm, I'm raw um, and I'm real and, but it, it's, it's, I'm not going to sugarcoat stuff sometimes, you know, sometimes I get myself into trouble, you know, 
but I get myself into trouble with like maybe my wife, you know, or, or <laughs> Edward, you know, like tone it down or, or take that off or something. I'm like, Chingao, you know, or, uh-huh. you know, one of these days they're going to secret service is going to come knocking on our door. Or, <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, it's like it, things sometimes need to be said, you know, and, and I'm just saying what people are thinking. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think sometimes people, I don't know. They can they can come to me and tell me if they don't like it, you know, or 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 whatever, you know. If they think I, I mean, I'm disrespectful towards them. But you know, if if, if it hits them, see, see, you know, sometimes I throw a rock and it hits a lot of different groups, you know. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah, I mean, if it makes, and it hits a lot of people. You if know? it makes someone uncomfortable, maybe they have some inner soul searching to do, right? You know, I mean, I see a lot of the good that I do for poetry, and, and I see where my opportunities are to 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 uh, do different, you know. And but I'm always looking for improvement. I'm always looking for ways to to fix things or or or, or do things better where where I need to in personal life, in, in, in professional life, in, in, in different things. You know, I, I work my ass off. I really work my ass off, you know, and sometimes like I say, it gets me in trouble at home too, because I work 50 plus hours at work and then I'm working my ass off at home with, with press stuff, you know, and, um, and I, I need to find better time management to be able to balance everything, you know, but I'm also trying to work my way out of one place to give more to another and then have that extra time to be with family, you know, because that's my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal is to ha- give it all to just two places instead of three. Mm-hmm. And right now I have three full-time jobs, which is my, the job that, you know, I make money at the, the job that where I have the passion, which is the, the, the literature because there's really not much money in it, you know. Um, if anything, the money that I make from literature is to reinvest in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the my my poetry, whatever I sell from my books, I put it back into the press, you know. Um, I bust my ass to sell my books, and then I bought myself a computer, you mm-hmm. know. I had I, I was working with a, you know, here I'll show you. <laughs> This was my computer. Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. This was yeah. My computer. Check it out. This is what I was doing every book up until yesterday. <laughs> oh, she dated. Yeah. It doesn't hold up. <laughs> wow. And then I'm working on one now that holds up on its own, you know? <laughs> I'm all excited because even the camera is clear and you know, um, you know, it's like hold up moving on up uh, I, I thought i had more like but <laughs> but it's it's just little things Progress, like that so yeah. i'm able to you know spend a little more time and in, in like better programs and yeah. you know uh just how can i you know invest more in things that will help my authors you know and it's just and it's not just the new authors but i can always go back and you know push authors that i you know published a year ago you know mm-hmm. like eddie and carolina and joe and and daniel and and uh you know um Odilia and and they're they're wonderful books that that n- they're still new 
that need to be, you know, put on, on a pedestal and, and in the limelight. They can still be, you know, uh, introduced to universities and schools because they don't lose their, you know, their relevance mm -hmm. because they were published a year ago. Yeah. You know, it's like saying, it's like saying, oh, they're old hat. No, if that's the case, then fuck the beats and forget Edward, you know, Edgar Allan Poe and forget everyone else. You, you can't think that way. So yeah. it's just me working my way back to bring them back up. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and it's going to happen. We got some. Maybe uh, our books are the toddlers, I think. You've got some babies. <laughs> our books are the toddlers. We're in a terrible two, are entering a terrible two phase. Terrible twos. Yeah, with our books. We got some comments coming in from our viewers saying, uh, hire some interns way. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, also, we appreciate your hard work. It means a lot to the community. So clearly your work is, is appreciated and it shows people know how hard you work. Uh, and it shows in your poetry too. Like you were talking about earlier, you're real, you're raw. Like that was the word that we opened the show up with, this visceral nature of just your work and how it really yeah. like pulls at us. So clearly you're doing some things right so thank you for the work that you've been doing um i am yeah go ahead. go ahead no i'm still gonna say i'm i'm content i want to hear another poem i'm good. yeah, go ahead. yeah. <laughs> one more thing i want to say i had i'd say like the way you read your rhythm is is i mean i it's amazing and every time i read you i hear you in those rhythms and i, I just really quickly is there like an influence uh, of that, like a musical influence or uh, a literary influence. Maybe it's not a that quick answer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. Uh, maybe just it's just me. Find I think working with my inner strength and my breath and just learning my own. Uh, you know, your own uh, groove because you've got a groove. I think is what it is. Just just trying to just 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 trying to like feel comfortable with my own with myself. You know, um, I know sometimes I push too hard and 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 I and I find myself um, stuttering or, or out of breath because I'm trying too hard to sound like like. Um, I don't know, like a poem needs to sometimes I try to make the poem sound like something um, that it shouldn't. And, and, and now I think I'm letting the poem read itself through me. Mm. And so it, it's coming out the way it wants to come out. And um, trying to sound poetic, but I think yeah, that's no. Oh, no, 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 that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. But we want to hear that rhythm now. So, yeah, close us off with one more poem. Okay, this is the last poem from uh, my uh, book, Jazz House. And this is a, a poem that I usually like to uh, um, close off with um, because it's a it's a wish from from me to you. I wish you. I wish you magic and love, empanadas y aguas frescas, sunsets and spices, cold fronts and hot soups, abrazos y besos, fireworks and new colors, tears of joy and friendships, babies and pets, and art and poems, health and strength, vacations and couch cuddles, long walks and long baths, long kisses and long days off, inspiration and musings, resolutions that last and water, dancing feet and sh shower singing, 
flowers in your garden and bees, poems again, poems again, barefoot walks in your yard, rain dances and the moon, coffee and jazz, especially jazz. Very, very nice. Edward uh, Vidaure. Edward Vidaure. Uh, flowersongbooks.com. Flowersongpress. Flowersongpress. It's Not your own press. publisher, Eddie. I know. He was Flowersong. <laughs> it's because we were Flowersong Books when, when we published and then we changed the name. Ah. Uh, see? See? So, Messed me up like that. You know? thank, anyway, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. There was something else. Oh. There is, if you are on Spotify, Edward has a Spotify playlist for that Jazz House book. So you can like listen to as you're reading the poetry, it works really well. Or if you just want to listen to it when you're chilling out, I did that the other day. Um, yeah. You can but do that. But yeah. uh, thank you, Edward, for, for being here. He's Thanks, got guys. the playlist on Spotify. He's got his Flower Song Press. And then next month, you can find his book on Aslan Libre Press, Pandemia, and other you can, poems. You can go now to Aslan Libre Press and pre-order it. It's up there. It's got uh, the link to it. And um, yeah, you can pre-order it now. Uh, we are also speaking of Spotify. We've mentioned it a couple of times, but we haven't made a big announcement. I think we're going to do that tomorrow. But this show is now officially available on podcast form on all sorts of um, podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Music and Google. So all you got to do is search for Blah Poetry, B-L-A-H Poetry, and it'll pop up and you can go and you can listen to previous episodes from our previous guests and uh, new episodes go up every Friday. So like and subscribe, leave a review, rate us, do whatever you got to do, right? So we can keep putting these out there for you. That's right, right. But speaking of future episodes, let's talk about next week. That's right, because next week's going to be exciting. Next week, we have someone who is involved in the spoken word community, uh, not just in his town of Houston, Texas, but really internationally. Um, mm -hmm. There we were. Uh, somebody who's involved, in, I mean, like a, with uh, Right About Now, uh, El Mero Mero, the Right About Now, uh -huh. uh, Mr. Amir Safi. Yep, Amir Safi, the uh, original founder of Right About Now in Houston, as well as the Right About Now channel. He also leave founded, I might be giving him more credit than he's due, but I'm pretty sure he founded Texas Grand Slam as well. You know, okay. so a poet and a producer and organizer, so we can look at a completely other facet of the poetry world. He'll be joining us here next week, right. 7.30 on Facebook Live. Um, until then, that's Eddie Vega. And that's Chigordunia. And that's Edward Vidaure. And this has been Words and Shit. Thank you so much for joining us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll see you soon. All right. Good night, everybody.